Hey there, friends. You're listening to the third season of Revving Up. We are intern ministers at the Community Church of New York. And on this show, we talk about the path of ministerial formation, Unitarian Universalist style. On this season, inspired by the Riddle and Mystery curriculum written by Richard S. Kimball, we're exploring life's big questions. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the journey. I'm Megan Henry. And I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're revving up. So good to be back with you all, your listeners and viewers. We are continuing our journey on the riddle and mystery. And this is a conversation, a community. So feel free to reach out to us at podcast at ccny.org and join us on our Facebook group, Revving Up, 1V apostrophe. And um, wherever you get this podcast, you'll see a link to our Facebook group. So um, Megan, it's so good to be back with you. How are you today? Great. I'm doing okay. We had snow here and that made me very happy. That was my, when I, when I did you check in with the youth group, we do a rose, a thorn and a bud. And for me and many of the youth, our rose was that it snowed. And that's kind of what I'm sticking with right now. There's still some outside. So I'm trying to milk it for every little snowflake I can get. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Did, did fine in the blizzard. The snow was lovely and the excuse to stay inside with a mm-hmm. nice warm cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. For sure. So as we are doing this season, our producer extraordinaire, Amy, will is at the controls and will do the random thing to pull up our question mystery for the day. Right. What is our riddle and mystery question for episode two? (laughs) I am at the controls. And let's see. Uh, Our question for today is, what does Unitarian Universalism mean to me? Oh, great. That is a great question. Yeah. And we said we were going to answer these like as if a congregant asked us this question and we were, and they were grappling with it themselves. And then how how do we answer it ourselves? Okay, great. So in this case, what do you think? Like, is it like the congregant is coming to us and saying, what is Unitarian Universalism to you minister? Or are they trying to, are they grappling with what is Unitarian Universalism to them? what uh what the e taught me is to always put the question back to them mm-hmm. like why do you ask mm-hmm. Ooh, i like that yeah that and it is a really it, to me it's a really interesting question so i think i would affirm it mm-hmm. you know i would i think i would really affirm that question and wonder why they're asking 
Mm -hmm. um, because that all that oftentimes, I mean, I usually need to do that anyway for most questions because it's just like, how do I get to what this person is looking for? Not because mm -hmm. they're probably not, maybe they just want to know what I think, but oftentimes they're actually the deeper, the deeper exploration is they're trying to figure out what it means for them. And so by having that conversation, it will help them determine what in this case unitarian universalist is universalism is for them yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and then bringing in the context is this a new person in the sanctuary is this right. a child is this someone mm -hmm. who's on their deathbed is this mm. a long time member or just someone you're sitting next to on the plane yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And just we talked about this last on the last episode is that one of the main kinds of things that we have to we see as needing to figure out is what the context is mm -hmm. always. always. So um, if and obviously the context is going to change. I mean, the answers are going to change so much dependent on like whether it, this is a child coming and asking or someone who's on their deathbed or a person on an airplane randomly. Mm -hmm. um, what about a generic kind of then how would we like so let's answer this question as much as we can um maybe we choose a context or mm -hmm. yeah maybe we could just kind of choose a context and go with that and see mm -hmm. where that comes um in my context i mostly get this from parents of young children so with that in mind um I do like to explore it with them. And I often will say, you know, that's one of the challenges with being um, an open, uh, non-dogmatic faith tradition that doesn't have a creed that everyone must um, believe and repeat and say in order to be a Unitarian Universalist, that's what that's one of the challenges that comes up is then, well, what is Unitarian Universalism to you then? If it doesn't have a creed and if it's non-dogmatic and there's not just one sacred text, um, how do we determine um, what this faith is for us? And I often will say to parents, one of the things, this is one of the things that I love so much about Unitarian Universalism because it encourages a lifelong learning and exploration of what what we're doing what who are we where are we going what are we um you know we're on a journey in this life and if so for me you know i i think unitarian universalism is a religious tradition in which one is encouraged to explore and to learn and to be the best um, person with accountability in this life and in this world that we can be, regardless of what any one individual believes. Um, so that is a, that to me is a big part of you know what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. And for children, for parents of young children who are asking this question, then I um, end up kind of there's a little pastoral counseling I think that goes into this because oftentimes parents are just kind of over it and stressed and they don't know what to do with their child who's asking them all of these questions and they don't know how to answer them. So it's oftentimes about um, reassuring parents that they're doing the right thing, that 
by bringing their child to a Unitarian Universalist faith community, they are giving them an opportunity to be on a lifelong faith journey and that it's not easy. And if it were easy, I don't know, would it be as worth it? Um, so I try to encourage them and let them know that it is, it is not easy and they're not, are not all just like really easy answers. And actually that's one of the beautiful things about being a thinking, living human being um, mm -hmm. on this earth. <laughs> and so even though it's hard, let's get into it and try to make it fun and enjoy it. Yeah, I love, I love all of that that you said, a few phrases come to mind. Um, one I think was used by um, religious education when it was called religious education back in the day was deeds, not creeds. So it's about behavior rather than belief. Yeah. And also this concept of we're not focusing on being, but more becoming. We never really arrive um, and just I, I think if something that I'm learning in ministerial formation is this um, comfort with ambiguity. This, there are no set answers to these great questions. And there is, um, and that can be difficult, but there's also a lot of humility in that. And this, um, and a magic in that as well. Yes, magic and mystery and it's so beautiful to be able to sit with that. And it's also, um, it is also the road less taken <laughs> by humans generally, and it is more challenging. And I do believe that, I don't know if it's like a DNA thing or what, but there are people who want easy answers and to not have to deal with it and think about it very much. And there are people who want complexity and who are okay with complexity and mystery. And I think that my wide generalization, over generalization is that Unitarian Universalists tend to be in that second camp of being okay with complexity, interested in complexity and, and okay with mystery also. Um, and I think that one of the things that we're missing then is that humility piece which I've, it's just kind of become my like thing that I keep bringing up over and over again in different places is like humility. We don't have all the answers. There is, oftentimes we are, what we're saying when we say that is there's some things we don't know, right? There's, there's stuff out there that we don't have the answers to yet, which means we are limited, which means that we have to be a little humble about it. Yeah, Unitarian Universalists tend to be more educated than, than other denominations. And with that comes a little bit sometimes mm. of um, elitism or I know more than you or, and um, certainly, you know, I've, I've fallen into that trap myself um, because, you know, I think it's such a education is so valued in our society and and sometimes that gets associated with status and and also just um insecurity insecurity so you know we're all human so um we all have that um impulse towards wanting to present ourselves as as uh, more than we are perhaps because out of our insecurities yeah yeah 
for sure. Well, should we kind of, I mean, we've kind of already been dancing around it, but should we slide into like, how do you answer this question yourself? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about the different pieces of Unitarian Universalism that are that are different than other faith traditions. So there's um, congregational polities is a big part of that. Um, our principles- It does exist in some other traditions. It does, it does, yes, yes, yes. The con any congregational, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not, thank you for bringing that up. It's not unique to Unitarian Universalism, but it is a part of it. And so polity, congregational polity means that the congregation governs itself. Um, Unitarian Universalists, Unitarian Universalist congregations do um, belong to the Unitarian Universalist Universalist Association, but it's not like the association decides on where ministers are called. Um, the congregation is um, the one who is responsible to the government of their state. Um, the board of trustees of the congregation has fiduciary responsibility for that congregational corporation. And um, also the congregation is the entity that ordains ministers. Right. We don't have a pope. Nope, no pope. <laughs> we have a president. It's kind of a simple way to say it. There's nobody making these big decisions from on high, like each congregation figures that out, which is so interesting. Yeah. 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 It feels very of the people. Like each, and, and I think this is why when somebody asks me like, well, if I go to a UU church, what will I expect or whatever? And it's just like, I don't know, which one? Which one are you going to? Because if you're going to like, I mean, they're all, they all have some similarities, of course, and also have some wildly divergent ways of worshiping and practicing their religion in the world. So it can be that, and I, I actually just really love that. I love that congregations can be so different. And I think that that is a really, really great point, Carrie. And then there's the principles and sources. Of course, yes, we can't leave out the principles and sources. These are so important. Um, they're, they're those, we have seven principles that have been adopted well, adopted, they've been affirmed and promoted by the Unitarian Universalist Association. And there is an eighth principle that has been um, introduced that many congregations are voting to affirm and promote as well. And I'm wondering if we should pull that up and read that out. Cause I mean, maybe we should just go, oh, I don't know. There's so much to say about the principles and the sources. And I'm like, let's name them all. And it's like, oh, it's too much. It's too much for this one little episode. But we do have principles and we do have sources. And you can look them up online. And there's going to be a link that you can follow to find them. And there's also going to be a link to the eighth principle. And these are all really interesting things to kind of dive into. And we don't have time in this one episode to go into them in depth. Um, but and I do want to stop and say that the Community Church of New York just yesterday affirmed and promoted the eighth principle. And I'm going to read it just because, you know, let's let's celebrate a bit. Yes. We, <laughs> I'll celebrate. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably 
dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. I love it so much. Me too. I love this principle. And I feel like, I mean, the seven principles came about like in my lifetime. So I've grown up with them kind of, I didn't really, I don't think I knew about them when I was a kid. And maybe that's because they weren't around when I was a kid. I'm not sure when they- They were, they changed hugely in 1985. 85, okay, yeah. I wasn't paying attention before 1985. And after 1985, I wasn't paying attention until like maybe 1992. So they, you know, I didn't like memorize them as a kid. Um, but I will say that, and and also none, like I, I am the do family ministry in Brooklyn. I'm in charge of that whole program. I never make the kids memorize the principles. I will just go ahead and admit that now. I don't make them memorize them. Maybe I should, but um, we engage with them and they get the spirit of it. Um, so let's see. Um, well, I think it's good that we don't memorize them. I just want to get into that a little bit because, you know, when we make kids memorize things, there's like some good and some bad to it. But um, this eighth principle, I love it so much. It's what we have been missing is what I was trying to say in that really long-winded way. Um, I feel like the seven principles just are really, there is something lacking, there's something missing. And this is a, a big piece to that puzzle. And I love it. Um, and I hope that so many congregations affirm and promote it, that it just becomes, and it just becomes part of who we are and that people really pay attention to it. And I think that one of the things that's interesting about Unitarian Universalism, I don't know if it's unique to you to Unitarian Universalism, we're not so incredibly exceptional in that way. And I think it's great that we have the ability to have a new principle come into our faith and that then people grapple with it and think about it and engage with it. They probably wasn't even paying attention to the seven principles very much at all. And then suddenly it's like, oh, okay, here's this eighth principle. Well, let me see what those other seven say. And then suddenly you're like thinking about them again, which is great. Yeah. yeah it, think, <laughs> well, it, it, um, the eighth principle opens up so many conversations. And, and I think that's another thing about Unitarian Universalism is because there's this ambiguity and because we're not told what to believe, there's this rich space for, um, for conversation about what the principles mean, about what, um, what that means for our daily lives and how we want to be in the world, what, not just what we are, but what we wanna become, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, um, the principles are guidelines and for, for behavior. And so when I first went to a Unitarian Universalist church, I of course came from, you know, my organized religion background before was Catholicism, which is very authoritarian, very much um, the, the uh, priest tells you what to believe, the Pope tells you what to believe, and then the priest tells you what to believe, and there's no room for questioning really. So when I showed up in a Unitarian Universalist congregation, I was, um, I loved that it opened up some of the, those questions, created this safe and covenanted environment to have these conversations mm -hmm. and really inspire me to be a better person. So that's, um, that's what I find really, um, for personally, what, what really made me a Unitarian Universalist. 
That's so beautiful. And you said some things that really are just, ah, we have to, I feel like it's important to lift up. You said covenant, covenanted. I think we, we are, Unitarian Universalists are a covenantal religion. Um, we are nothing without our covenanting. And every group, every kids RE class, every youth group, every adult spirituality group, every congregation, every board, every staff, we make covenants together. And so we have larger covenants and then we have all these smaller covenants that work for even in the moment. Like when I take the youth on their service trip to West Virginia, they already have a covenant in their youth group. We make another covenant for how we are going to be together on that journey, right? So we are talking and engaging over and over and over again about how to be together in community, in beloved community, how to be in relationship with one another and how to become. And that is the other thing I wanted to say about what you were just saying is that you said something that made me remember that these, these principles are aspirational. We are saying we affirm and we promote these principles. So that means we don't think we already got it all going on and this is all taken care of and this is who we are. It's we are trying to, we are going to promote in our lives, in our congregations and in the world, these principles. So yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited we started talking about this because it's like, oh, right. I love being a Unitarian Universalist. It's just <laughs> reminding me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and one more thing that I want to mention about Unitarian Universalism is the life-saving nature of Unitarian Universalism. Yes, say more about that. So um, we strive to be radically welcoming and radically inclusive. So um, a lot of the people in our congregations are coming from places of woundingness, I, that's not a word, but uh, of woundedness from their religious experiences or from their social experiences where, um, you know, I'm, you know, I think we're both steeped in Christianity with our seminary studies right now. So I'm thinking about the model of Jesus, of ministering, of, of including the the downtrodden and the sick and the outcasts of sure. society and the poor and the um, disenfranchised. And uh, this is what's so exciting about the eighth principle is we are just making explicit this work of creating a safe haven in our sanctuaries for all who seek us and, and how life-saving that message can be. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Revving Up. There's so much, always so much more to say and explore, and um, we hope that you will join us next week for our next episode, and um, you can reach out to us. We have a Facebook group, Revving Up. We have a, an email, podcast at ccny.org and we would love to hear from you and engage in these questions so we'll uh we'll be here again soon and um looking forward to more of these deep conversations with all of you thanks carrie thank thanks you again. bye bye <laughs>